Live from the heart of Lincoln, America, welcome to Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome to Speed and Power on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm your host, Megan Walker, and on the show, we dive into the inspiring journeys of individuals who have overcome the odds to make their mark in the world of sports. We have got a great show on tonight. We've got Harrison on the board as usual and our very special guest. He's a phenomenal coach as well as a mentor. He has definitely made a big impact in my life, and we are grateful to have him as a leader at this school. Nebraska Sprints and Hurdles coach Brenton Emanuel. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes, of course. We're happy to have you here. But tonight, as always, our food is provided by Layton's Pub. They take such great care of us, and we are so grateful. So make sure to go check them out. They've got a great menu. Have never had bad food from them. We're very grateful. We have our favorites, don't we, Yeah, I got the lemon dry rub. You Wings did. again. Those mm-hmm. are classic. I'm a big lemon pepper dry rub. Mm-hmm. Layton's Pub. We talk about it all the time, but you we can't do. miss on any of their you menu really items. Can't. It's fantastic food. Uh, so shout out, as always, to the crew down there. And check it out if you haven't. Layton's Pub. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Great, great place. But Coach E. Yo. <laughs> we just had Big Tens this past Wednesday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Meet was on Friday, Saturday. Just had a long little trip. How was it for you? You know, it was a true roller coaster of track and field. Um, had some good, some highs, some lows, um, some drops, but it was overall pretty good. Um, I thought we competed very well. A lot of breakthroughs like yourself, second PR in the 400. Um, but you're just always, as a competitive person, you want to win everything. I'm selfish. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I do not like losing. So mm-hmm. coming up a little short in the four by four and then obviously not winning the team title on the men's side. It's always kind of tough. Um, I'm still kind of bothered by it today, but I should be good by tomorrow. <laughs> I hope so. We have a hard workout tomorrow, so I hope you're not in too bad of a mood. But that's track, and that always makes you more hungry. So what are your expectations for outdoors? You know, just to continue to develop everybody, um, get more people to regionals, try to be conference champs both on the men's and women's side, um, and just trust the process that I create. So I have to trust my own process for one. But just be a good leader for you guys um, and show you guys that, you know, what we've, what we've done indoors is going to only get better outdoors. Um, and just – Watch all the good results pop up on this on the the uh, scoreboard. I love it. What would you say you have to execute with the team workout wise to make both women men and women's conference champs? You know, I think we're heading in the right direction. Um, the biggest thing that I felt we kind of dealt with was injuries this year. You know, we had a lot of this year, and just in total for myself as a coach, was one of the toughest I've ever had when it comes to injuries. I mean, I'm not a coach that has a lot of injuries like that, and from a patient standpoint. A knowledge standpoint, I had to dig deep and just figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now that we're kind of getting healthy, um, headed into outdoors, I'm excited for that. Um, I think overall training-wise, it'll it'll stay the same, but we're going to be – I'm going to be a little more patient and not push to get some times on that clock as early as I did for the indoor season. And we'll have good results. I already know that. I already got the script for outdoor season, so we're good. I hope you're right. But when you have an athlete with injuries, how do you adjust their workouts to – accommodate their injury you know depending on what it is if it's a bone or a tissue um if it's a foot it's a hamstring you know i have to make sure that um what know the whole um process of the recovery time um once i know that then i can see am i able to cross train i'm able to get them on the track still um you know for someone like you who's a good swimmer you could you could be one of the Olympian swimmer if you wanted to be as we found out this in january um <laughs> Just find out the, the workouts to fit them and fit their what their needs in training. So if it's pool workouts, it's on the track, it's an ultra G, 
um, find what fits them so we can still can kind of continue our process of peaking. Um, and this is kind of tough. Everyone had, you know, we had a couple of hamstrings. We had uh, two uh, feet injuries. We had um, an old hamstring tenosis or what was it called? tendonitis is what they call it. But on the MRI, it said tendinosis. That's why I said that. But it's just a lot of weird things. And, yeah, calf cramps constantly. Um, so I had to kind of just think outside the box and trust the process that I know about the recovery times for those injuries, what I can and cannot do, um, and trust the training staff and the doctor, the team doctors. And luckily our jumps coach is friends with the, um, head doctor of the Kansas city Royals. Mm -hmm. So he was very, very helpful in, this, in all my, um, all my questions that I had. I had a lot because I wanted to make sure I was doing everything right for you guys and not putting you in a bad situation. Sounds like you have a lot of great resources. I definitely do. You know, you've been coach. I've been coaching for 15 years now, so I've met a lot of great people. Um, people seem to like me. I got a pretty good personality, I would say. <laughs> but um, you know, I I think that I because I ask questions and I I try to be trustworthy so they can trust me and, and they can they know that I will do what's right for my student athletes. I'm always I'm a very student athlete oriented person, so I'll always do the best for you and not what's best for me. Um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm very big in my faith, but it's just like it's not for me, it's for you guys. And so I, I'm not trying to force you guys to run. Like, I want you to run 51, but I'm not going to do something crazy that can injure you and stop you along the way. I want to keep you on the track as much as possible. Um, and so through that, you know, I've gotten a lot of trust and a lot of, a lot of friends that are, are willing to help me um, and encourage me along the way. Even, even your old coach needs some encouragement every now and then. I love that. I think that's one thing that a lot of the athletes that you have on the team appreciate about you is the fact that you care so much about your athletes. It's not so much about the performance. Of course, you care about that, but you care about more as the person. I do. I mean, that's, you know, my coach was like that for me. And he told me that when I was like, I got into coaching, he said two things. He's like, you're going to hate when people don't work as hard as you did as an athlete, which he was right about that. That drives me crazy. But he also said they are people and treat them like people. If you invest in them as a human being, they will invest just as much back into you and you guys will have good results. And I've trusted that process um, since back in 2009, and it's worked out pretty well for me. That's spectacular. Where would you say you get majority of your coaching philosophy from? You know, I think it's a lot. You know, I've read some books by Phil Jackson, Urban Meyer, um, my old college coach, Tom Akers, um, who's now retired, living in Kansas City. Um, and I think part of it is I had to learn my own way, too. You know, my first year as a head coach at Eastern Illinois, um, back in 2019, we lost indoors. And I felt like I was trying to be like him, my former head coach, when I was, I was leading the team. But I'm not like him. I, we're completely opposite. Um, he is – we're both pretty funny guys. I will say that. <laughs> you think you're funny? <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> um, but I, what, I was just trying to be him. And once I realized to be myself, I became – the team became like me. They like me. Like the – not very talkative, but get the job done. And just work hard. And – I kind of have like a no nonsense personality with certain people. Like I'm not going to tell you, you know, about yourself, but I will cut you out of my life real quick. I don't, you know, if, if you cross me, it's over with. Don't even, don't even try to get back in my life. It's, it's you're, you're one and done. And, you know, and I think he, and, and the difference in him, he's very giving, like he will give you a hundred and one chances. Well, how I grew up single, single parent, single parent home, you know, I, you know my own father didn't want to be part of my life. So why would I let someone come back continuously? You know, it's, that's, good and bad in that situation. But, you know, if, if I trust you and you're one of my, my main people, if you're one of my athletes, you're golden. I'll take care of you forever. You know, I've been invited to so many weddings and baby showers. It's like, I'm going to be broke by, by the end of this. Um, but it's, you know, that part of me, um, 
I just said, if I'm, if I'm myself, we will have success and I can be a good leader to them and they can see who I am as a person. There's no fluff about me. Like who I am is who I am every single day. There's no, my, my wife, I drive my wife crazy, obviously, because I, you know, I think I'm pretty funny, but she doesn't all the time, especially when the, when the baby's crying and I'm, not, I'm trying to crack a joke, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. But, you know, I'm very authentic and I think that's really important when it comes to the recruiting process and just who you are, who you are as a coach. I agree. When I came on my recruiting visit and when we had our phone calls, you were very genuine. You were very down to earth. You were very clear about who you are, what the program is. And I think that was very valuable because a lot of schools don't do that. They try and give you this like fluff, as you said, to try and make you come here. So when you're looking for recruits, let's dive into that. What kind of characteristics, personalities are you looking for as athletes? You know, I think I told you, I tell every recruit is like, I'm going to spend so much time with you. I have to like you as a person because I spend more time with you than than I do my own kids. And I'm not saying... I abandon my kids. No, I'm a present father, but I spend so much time with you. So I want a person who has good character, a good personality. Um, as you know, I give you a lot of crap all the time, so mm-hmm. whatever you do, but you know, that I care at the end of the day, my door is always open. So someone who can take my, my jokes, my good old dad jokes, um, that works hard, um, has good grades. You know, sometimes you don't always get that, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want someone who, who's, who's strong-willed, like, I, one thing I loved about you recruiting you is, like, you have an attitude about you. And as I won't say what I said in, on, on, on the radio, but I like that about you. You kind of have a queen bee mentality, and I know that you're going to you're gonna work hard. You're not going to take any any stuff from anybody. You're going to give your draw, and that's what I, I'm connected to with all my athletes. If you have that, like, Darius Loft, very, he's like, I did not recruit him, but why him and I are honest? Like, he's so competitive, and he's like, he, like someone was in his way. He's like, I don't care. I run, I run them over that's how I feel like do that Mm -hmm. get them out your way you know and so I love people that are strong um strong willed and just so competitive that's how I am that's very good you like people that are similar to you I do that's good has your recruiting process kind of changed throughout your years of being a coach I think it changes with the university and the needs um obviously here we're at a higher higher um standard of a program Mm -hmm. uh we're the power five you know we're trying to win national championships trying to be contending for big 10 championships on a consistent basis and so when I was creating at Eastern, it was more developmental um, that you had two to three years, maybe four years to get a kid to run 58 to 56 or 55, whatever it may be. Now it's the world where you got to produce now. We need you to produce. You need to get on the track, score points for us now. So my process hasn't changed, but the athlete that I look for has. That makes sense. Yes. As you were at Eastern Illinois and then Illinois State, how has like the dynamics changed since you came to Nebraska? Like well, as team aspect and coaching, you know, I think, um, well, you know, Eastern Illinois as a head coach, I was I created the atmosphere, so I thought it was good. <laughs> <laughs> but Illinois State and even here, you know, I try to keep my group as close as possible to be a family. Now the difference is when I was at Illinois State, um, I didn't have kids, and so some of the things that I used to do as far as being so involved in my student athlete's life, I've had to kind of back up a little bit because now I have three people looking at me. Like daddy, you have four you, people looking at well, you. My wife is always looking at me like <laughs> crazy, but that's different. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love her to death. But my, you know, I want to be there for my kids. You know, like I said, I, I grew up in a single parent home, and being a present father is really important to me. So some of the things that I used to do at my other schools, like where we would talk and play video games at night and stuff like that with some of my guys, and I didn't play video games with the girls, but you know, we would do little outings and stuff like that. I haven't done as much because of the father part of my job I have to do and the husband part of my job, but. Um, I'm still there for my student athletes. And when we're on the road, we try to play cards, play Uno. You know, I think you cheated a couple more I times. think I won fair and square at Big Tens. Allegedly. 
know. Someone's a little upset. I, if we had a camera, we'll throw the red flag and we can get a review on this. If you I cheat. don't think I'd be the only one caught cheating, to be honest. <laughs> See, you were cheating. I knew it. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. No, 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 I wasn't. But I think majority of everyone on our entire team sees you as being a great dad. Even the fact that you bring your little girls to the track, like everybody loves that. I appreciate that. You know, and I was one thing that my old head coach told me is like, make sure your team is a part of your family. And so don't be scared to bring your family around them. And I, I, mean, I, I know his kids very well. Um, and so I want you guys to know my kids. Now they're very shy because they're five, three, and one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you'll, when you get married in, I don't know how many years, hopefully like 10, 15. Hopefully 10, yep. Um, you'll see these little tall, little mixed girls looking very beautiful. And you'll be like, oh my God, I saw you were a little baby. Because now when I go back and I see my coach's kids, it's like, how are you married with kids now? Like, mm-hmm. What, Where did the time go? How am I that old that you have kids? Exactly. I, I remember watching you grow up. That's so sweet. Are they going to be track stars one day? Are you training them already? Um, they like to run. Like yesterday, I got back. So talk about, you know, we travel. We got up early yesterday. We traveled back. Went for a walk, which is fine. My oldest wanted to run. And so I had to run with her. You know, it's only about maybe a mile and a half, which, granted, it's not that bad. But I don't. Want, I didn't really want to run at that You moment. guys both ran a mile and a half? She well, it was run, walk. You know, okay. she's, she's only five. <laughs> okay. Only yeah, blame five. it on her. Blame it on her. Yep. Um, well, that was her idea. So, you know, I just, I'm just going with the plan. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I was being coached by her. Um, so I wasn't really in the mood to go do some jogging at that time, but I had to deal with her. Um, so, you know, I, if they do track, I'll be happy. My wife played college basketball. Um, I wouldn't mind them seeing, seeing them duck on somebody. I'd be cool with that. Or even, you know, they love volleyball. They're big fans of Becca and Harper. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. Not weird, but it's very, um, Becca and Harper look like my two oldest kids. That's so, so sweet. So when they watch them, I say, oh, that's Bricky number. And she wears number five. And I say Harper, I don't know her number, but whatever number she wears, that's Cameron. So that's so great. Yeah. I remember being a little girl and like looking up to older girls was so amazing and so fun. Yes. So yeah, it's great to have people to look up to. Yes, yeah, so you're right. I mean, and my wife, obviously, basketball player. She's rel- relatively pretty tall, so we're hoping for her for some six two, six three girls. Um, so hopefully, you know, volleyball. You got some D one kids right there. Yeah, that's that's part of the process when you're dating somebody. <laughs> you know, genetics and and how that comes together. My father in law six eleven. So. Oh dang. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I yeah. hope your girls are like six eleven, man. I don't want six eleven girls. Maybe six five. The boys would stay away. They're six. Okay, 11. six six seven foot even better. Okay, <laughs> I love it. But I know you're huge into family, and everybody loves that about you. But how do you manage like spending family time as well as doing your job? Um, if you being honest, I feel like I'm I fail at everything because I feel like there's never enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just try when I'm home. I try to be present. I try to, like, today, uh, the oldest child, Brooklyn, we were riding her bike up and down a hill. It was not a fun hill to, to be riding down or me running down and running back up. Um, Cameron came with me after practice to get my other bag. And Layla, she's just my little road dog. Whatever I do, she's always about Dada now. She only says two words, Dada and Mama. And, mm-hmm. But she says Dada. She looks at me, and she's always happy. So I just try to be present when I'm there. Um, we FaceTime. And, you know, the, this past trip, the girls gave me um, – stuffies we call our stuffed animals are called stuffies they gave me two brooklyn gave me uh elsa which one's the the ice one elsa yeah elsa okay i should know this i watch it every day <laughs> elsa and then cammy gave me daniel tiger for my stuffies on the road trip so i had those oh. two in my room and so we had a coach's bible study and the coach was like why do you have two stuffed animals i said bro chill out first of all these are my daughters gave those to me and so if you want to say something, you better say it, you better say it correct now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come and come at you. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's cool. That's really cool. I said, that's what I thought. Now, <laughs> I'm not a grown man having stuffed animals in my hotel room. That's, that's a little weird. But my kids gave them to me to have so that, that I didn't forget about them. 
Okay, we'll tell you tell everybody it was a kids and stuffed animals. We'll keep it at that. I mean, first of all, they tried to give me a big unicorn. It was like this. It was huge. Probably like three Carry feet. it through the airport? Yeah, and I was like, uh, that's not going to fit in my bag. And then my middle tried to give me this like five-foot bear. I was like, girl, that's not going to my bag either. You're a Bears fan. You got to take the bear, man. It was purple. Um, so? Well, I think it was purple. You know I'm colorblind. So that's another thing. She did. We played Uno, and I'm colorblind. And red and green was a little rough for me. Now, I didn't mess anything up, but... No one was willing to help me. You know, it was kind of messed up. He was complaining the entire game about his colorblindness. I mean, it seems like a game where it's very important not to be colorblind, Why considering the premise it? of the games on colors. I hadn't played Udo in I don't know how long, so I forget about <laughs> red green. And it's like I'm looking at him like, oh my god. So I hope you know I was smart enough to realize just go off the number, but I didn't win though. So you guys cheated me. You guys trying to hold me back because I'm colorblind. <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> happened. That's exactly what happened. Oh my goodness, crazy, crazy. Yeah. What's one game that you played like while on a travel trip that was your favorite? I would play Spades. Spades? Isn't that a card game? Card game. We played this weekend, uh, this past week with the coaches a little bit. Dang. So if you play Spades with me, I'm going to tell you right now, I talk a lot of smack. I do talk smack in general mm-hmm. already, but that game brings the most out of me. I, I get people mad. So I'm You get people mad everywhere, let's be honest. True. At home, at practice, you know. Probably right now, listening to your show, they're probably mad at me. He's like, why is this dude talking about playing spades right now? I'm going to have to run it up, <laughs> see what happens, see if I can beat you. But when you're traveling, what's one of your favorite memories that you've had at Nebraska? Um, you know, it was probably recently. Um, I was talking to Johanna, one of your favorites, mm-hmm. um, because I have a, a recruit that I, I signed. She hurt her knee. And so I was telling her, you know, I've been through something like this with somebody else, with my current athletes, and I've helped her through this. And I was like, wait, have I really helped her? I don't want to be lying to somebody about I've helped you and I haven't done it. Like I'm very, like I'm very authentic. And so I texted her. I said, Hey, um, I told this young lady that I've helped you through your knee, but I'm like, have I really helped you? And she sent me this text and I started like crying. I was like, what in the world is going on here? But you know, it just showed me how, how much I've helped people. Um, anytime a person tells me, Hey coach, thank you so much. Or, you know, you guys give me a hug, you know, because you're so happy about how you did that touches my heart. Um, so I don't really have one, but that one sticks out to me because I was, I don't cry. Like I am, that's my wife. She seen me cry maybe twice. Once at our wedding, once when I had a relative pass away, and I guess our babies, maybe like five times. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so like for me, I was like, man, I'm like, she, yeah, she got my heart. Like she really, really got my heart. And I was, and I was sitting in the front of the bus, like, like a little child. I'm like, what is wrong with me right now? And then she tried to do it again. In her speech at conference, I was like, nope, we're not doing this. We're not, we're not, you're not getting me twice now. You got me once, but you can't get me twice. But I was prepared for it, though. So, like, it still touched my heart. But I was like, I ain't crying this time. I'm not going to do it. I was, gonna, I was, I had to, you know, toughen up a little bit. Get that dog back in you? Yeah, a little bit. It was, man, it was like a chihuahua, though. It was not, it was not a very strong dog, I'll tell you that much. Oh, my goodness. It's on my bucket list for, to, for me to see you cry before I leave college. <laughs> so, maybe Why? in the next seven years. But for, like, a good reason. Seven years. Yeah. I mean... I will say this, since I've gotten older and I've had kids, I've gotten soft. That's a good thing. But I am like, I try to be a polar bear so no one knows that I'm soft inside, but I've definitely got a lot softer than I used to be. It's crazy. I think it's good though, because like, you have have daughters, so you know what it's like to be a dad, and I think you treat your student athletes like a child, in a good way. Like, you're like like a father figure. (laughs) No, I I, I hope so. I hope I can show you guys and and guide you through that process, because you know, I wasn't 
as mature as I am now, obviously. I've obviously. Grown, I've you, grown a lot. But I've always been, I was a captain as a sophomore in college now. Don't get it twisted. I saw that. And I was like, this must not be right. Like, the internet must have, like, done some crazy stuff. Or you added it on your Wikipedia page. No, no, no. But also, you know, I'm a Gemini, so I have multiple personalities. So I can be who I need to be when I have to be it. The fact that you know your star sign <laughs> is kind of concerning. Well, it's, I mean, I've read it and it's definitely me. That's a problem. Like, I, I see the different, the, the different personalities that come out of me at times. So when you're recruiting someone, you're like, hey, I'm Coach E. I'm a Gemini, so uh, I have a lot of personality. <laughs> I like long walks on the beach, yeah, basically. <laughs> no, I, I, I tell kids that, you know, I'm going to be tough on you. I'm going to be mad, but I'm always going to be there for you. And that's the truth. Like, I've been mad at you before. I don't know when. A lot of times. I've gotten used to it at this point. I'm just immune. <laughs> but, you know, like when I stop caring, that's when you know it's trouble because that means I've given up hope. And, I don't, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it just takes a lot for me to give up hope on someone. So, like, I'm always willing to give someone another chance. I'm not like my old coach because he was very, very gracious in that where I will cut you out. But not, not like I'm in my athletes. I try to still guide you because you're 18 to 22-year-old, you know. And I, when I was your age, I didn't know everything in the world. And I still don't. I still make mistakes. But if I can help you not make the mistakes I did, I will do that. And I will try to guide you through it. But at some point, if you don't want to learn, then I can't help you. I'm glad I haven't been kicked off your <laughs> list yet. But no, I think that something that makes you a great coach is the fact that you're high on respect, that someone needs to give you effort and all of their energy because that's what makes someone a good athlete. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's amazing. That's what makes you unique. That's what makes you a team captain in college. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yep. And with that being said, we are up to our first break here. So this is Speed and Power with the host is always Megan Walker. We got Coach E in here from Nebraska Track and Field. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back for the next two segments right here on Speed and Power. Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to Speed and Power on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm your host, Megan Walker, and I'm joined by Harrison on the board, as well as my very own sprints and hurdles coach, M- Mr. Brenton Emanuel. I don't <laughs> like your name. I always just call you Coach E. Man, you call me by my government name. That's crazy. Brenton. What a crazy name. You know, this weekend, Emma starts saying that. She's like, Brenton. I'm like, hold up. My mom don't call me Brenton. Why are you calling me Brenton? Like, don't call me by my government name out here. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> That's crazy. It just yeah. doesn't seem like it fits you. Like, you're just a coach E. You know, what's funny, I used to be called Coach B. B? So my, yeah, so I when like I first it. started coaching, so my nickname in college was B. Everyone called me B. Mm-hmm. And then I became Coach B. And then I left and went to um, Cal U, uh, Pennsylvania, a small Division two school. They called me Coach B. They're like, all right, Coach B, and I came back to Illinois State, and everyone said, call me, start calling me Coach E out of nowhere. And it just came E. No more Coach E, just E. So, but my people that knew me beforehand are mad that I switched over to Coach E. I said, well, most people go by their last name, if you realize this. So it makes sense, but no. So I have, again, an, an alternative personality, you know, that Coach B. Gemini over here. Yeah, you know. Okay, I had a conversation with Coach Godfrey about this this weekend. Do you like to be called coach, or do you want someone to like call you by your name and make it more personal? Um, I don't don't call me by my government name now. <laughs> What's your government name? Uh, BME. Those are, those are just my initials. I like coach because you know I worked so hard to become a coach. You know, and I always wanted that title. So I feel like I don't think it's like when people call me E. That's fine too. Just don't call me, call me by my government name. It's like I'm in trouble. I'm about to go to prison or something. And I'm not trying to do all that now. I respect that. That's a good answer. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get into your coaching a little bit. Okay. When you're having those hard days, when you don't want to be hanging out with the people you're hanging out with anymore, <laughs> when you want to jump off the ship, how do you get yourself to stay motivated and be a good coach? 
Um, just, you know, all, all my experience, I've been coaching for 15 years, so I've seen the highs and lows of this, of this sport. And so I know when it's a low, there's going to be a high pretty soon. Um, so now I'm, I'm very even keel. You know, I don't really show too much emotion as you have probably seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I just stay just even keel and, you know, I'm struggling with my faith. So I know it's going to be okay at the end. Um, and I just been doing it for so long now that I've seen so many different experiences that if I see something new, which this year was probably one of my, the most, you know, difficult, like I said early on with all the injuries, because, you know, and then I'm like, am I doing something wrong? It's like, I haven't, I'm not changing anything up like I've done in the past where it just was difficult because I, I don't want to be responsible um, or the cause of someone's injury like that. And, um, and like I mentioned today, which you weren't there, but like I me, mean, when you guys do well, um, I wear that on my chest. When you guys do bad, I wear that on my chest as well because I, I, I care so much about you guys and I want you guys to perform at a high level all the time that, you know, I wear those things on my, on my chest so much. And so um, I, just, I, I, just, I just stay very even keel and I just, you know, I thank God for the, the good, the bad, and the terrible, and, and I know it's going to be okay in the end. I love that. So looking back to like this weekend, you had some athletes that were expecting to make big performances and that doesn't happen. That's what track is. It's yeah. highs and lows. Yeah. What are you going to say to that athlete after their performance that, that didn't go the way they wanted it to? You know, um, you know, for instance, Darius and Bryden, I talked to those guys and see how they felt. Even Nick, you know, Nick ran a race where, you know, he was the favorite to win. He's the defending champion. Um, comes up a little short. He's in the slow heat. He wins his heat, but he loses by a second and they got another heat. You know, honestly, he ran a great race. You know, that's why I'm proud of you because, you know, four months ago you were limping around here because you were hurt from last year, and now you put yourself in contention to win a, team, a title in the 600. So I can't be mad at you. You know, only thing we could have done differently is ran faster on the first day, but that's all in retrospect. You know, he ran well. He he, he got second in his heat by a lean um, in prelims, and then he did what I told him to do the next day. I said, get out in 48.5 or faster. He ran 47.7 through 400. So – I really can't do anything differently, you know, with Darius and Bryden, you know, they've, they were training so well and they're still training very well. It just, you know, it happened that they're both just were out of rhythm. Um, you know, I still am very proud of those guys. And, you know, the crazy thing, those guys, they checked on me cause they, they knew they thought I was, you know, I was kind of down. Like I didn't say very much. And so they're like, coach, are you okay? And I was like, you know, I just, like I said, I wear those things on my chest cause I want you guys to do one. Like I want you guys to always win, whether it's a prelim against someone from a small university or it's, you know, Grant Holloway. I want, always want you guys to win. So if we don't win, you know, I'll wear that on my chest. And, and I'm, I hurt for you guys. And I know you guys are hurting as well. And so what I tried to do is say, hey, you know, trust the process. We're going to be good. And, and we, I talked to all three of those guys, and we had a really good conversations, And we're excited for the next step for them. You know, those two guys are going to nationals. Nick's getting ready for outdoors. We're going to be fine. And I think, you know, with those little setbacks and those little, you know, part of the dip of the roller coaster, they're ready to turn back up. You know, and, and that's what I love about them. You know, and for them to check on me, it's like, man, you worry about yourself. Don't worry about me. I'll, I'm gonna be okay. But you know, like I said, I wear those things on my chest because I do care so much about you guys and how you guys do. I want the best for you, and so it just sometimes does wear on me a little bit. Mm. We always want to check on you. We can tell when you're like in a good mood or a bad mood. It's kind of crazy at this point. I know you guys are around me too much, and I gotta start cutting you guys off. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking back to you were in college and you had a bad performance, was there anything that a coach or a mentor said to you that really just kind of like made you get out of your funk? Uh, not really. My brother told me you were you were the grumpiest person for the next two days if you didn't run well. Don't even talk to you. Such facts. You know, don't even bother with me. But, um, you know, I think as I kind of just get older and matured, I realize, like, like I just said earlier, you know, I just I take I'm thankful for the good and the bad. I know it's going to be okay in the end. Um, and I got to be willing to get outside my box too and feel uncomfortable. 
um, my senior year, you know, going into my junior, I had, I had a great fall training. The first week after fall training, I hurt my knee. And so I'm out, I have to have knee surgery. I'm out for like three months and I come back and I'm struggling. I got a little belly on me. I'm like, what is, I'm like fat now the first time in my life. I was like, what is going on? And I'm, you know, I'm struggling and I'm like, you know, why is this going on? Why is this happening? And once I, like, I realized it's like, you know, I was given this, this card was, was thrown my way and I have to deal with it. I got to figure it out. And, and it made me so mentally tough that the next year I came out and nothing could stop me. And I had the same injury happen again, two years in a row and didn't have surgery this time. I just rehabbed it and I just ran through it. I had my best year I ever had in college, but I, you know, had I let, you know, and I just, I just tell myself, I gotta be mentally tough. Like nothing can break me is what I always tell myself. Nothing can break me. And you know, obviously I, you know, you know, my faith in God and that will always guide me as well. But you know, I have like a, that chip on my shoulder, like, you know, that kid that, you know, people thought they he wouldn't make it. Like, I know I'm going to make it. Like, I, I got that type of determination. Like, you can't stop me. You can tell me I can't do something, but you better try to stop me because I'm going to do it 10 times to prove you wrong. Like, I'm that crazy of a person. So that's what I kind of tell myself when, you know, as an athlete, like, you know, something didn't happen. That went, it didn't go my way. I just stayed positive. I said, I can, I can, I can still can do it. You know, I have no doubt in myself, you know, and, I'm, and that's kind of helped me get through those things, those hard moments of, of college. I love that mindset that you have. It's crazy, but it's good. Yeah, I think you'd be a good speaker. You could write a book. Uh, no, I'm good. No, but I think <laughs> the way you think and the things that you've gone through that have made you so mentally tough are so beneficial and would help a lot of athletes. So yeah. I think you need a podcast. <laughs> you know, I, I've been I've been thinking about that. I would, I would love to do a podcast. I think it'd be kind of fun. Um, not just talking about track, talking about everything, about mm -hmm. life. Like kind of like you. You know, I'm trying to be like you when I grow <laughs> You're up. Trying to be like me when you grow up. That's funny. But thinking back to college, I know that was a long time ago, <laughs> so it might take a lot of brain power. But did you do some of the similar workouts that you have us doing? The only one that I did um, was the Chundra workout. Except I didn't do as many as – I did a lot more than you guys did. My first day of practice, my freshman year, was 12 200s the first day, right out the gate. And we, we got up to 20, 22. Dang. I think the most I've done is like 15. Yeah. So you're going easy on me. Yes. <laughs> um, I think, you know, maybe uh, – that's probably the main one. Um, so what I did my first year when I was coaching, you know, my head coach gave me all the workouts and stuff. I didn't like something, I would just kind of change it up to what I thought it would be. Not what the athletes just in my own little personal book. And so once I started figuring out why he did certain things and how I could change it up and maybe put my own flair to it. Not that I, I mean, and maybe there's some things that are similar. I, you know, at this point, it has been a long time. It's been 15 <laughs> years now. Um, I, I wrote out a whole year of training of what I thought, how it should be done. Now, crazy story is when I got my first job, that training didn't work at all because those athletes were not in any type of shape. So I had to start over from scratch, but it helped me understand how to write training and how to be you know, patient in the process. And I watched it. And, and then I got my next job and I, and I started continuing to grow and I changed things up to fit what I thought was right. I read more books. I went to more conferences and stuff like that. And then I just kind of, you know, developed to what I am now. And, you know, now I'm not, I'm, I'm no guru. You know, I, I still talk to coaches about their, their training or about hurdle things and just, you know, I'm very, um, you know, I'm very uh, curious about why people do certain things. Like, as a child, as a two-year-old kid, I, had, I found a screwdriver apparently and took it part of a table. So I'm always been very curious about why things work the way that they, way that they do. And so the same thing with this, I, I'm always willing to to talk to people, read different articles, and to see how it works. If it doesn't fit me, it doesn't fit me. But I'm not gonna, you know, not turn over a rock just because I feel like I'm the guru because I'm not. You sound like a guru sometimes. But at what point in your life were you like, hey, I want to be a coach? Um, was it when you found that screwdriver? At two, probably not. Um, 
you know, when I was younger, people said I, sh I should be a preacher. I don't know why, but I didn't really f find that one inside of me. Mm -hmm. But um, my senior year of college, because I knew that I wasn't going to run professional or anything like that. And so I wanted to be involved in the sport. And I love athletics, and I can't imagine my life without athletics. And so I was like, I think I want to coach, or I just want to work in athletics. And then I took a year away from track. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to any meets. I didn't look at any results. And I'm like, man, like by maybe March, or not, I guess it wasn't a full year. It was like seven months. But by March, I'm like I'm checking results again, looking at people, like what, who's doing what. And then I, I didn't go to the outdoor meet at Eastern. I said, I'm not going to any meets this year. So I stayed true to that, but I was searching results up. And I was like, man, I kind of I want to coach, I think. But I didn't know how to get into it. And, my, you know, luckily um, – all right, my head coach asked me to come out after he lost two people on the staff just to help out the rest of the year, and I haven't gone back since to my, other, my little gig. Dang. Yeah. If you weren't a coach, what do you think you'd be? Man, a millionaire probably. Um, Let's be realistic here. Okay, a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no idea. There's nothing that I can see myself doing other than coaching. I mean, I can, okay, I love my kids, but I could not even be a stay-at-home dad mm -hmm. because – they need a, a lot of energy to be ran out of them. And I don't know if I could do that. Um, I love those girls, but I don't think I could be a stay-at-home dad. So I really don't know. Um, you know, my, I think my fourth year, I did a couple of job interviews with companies that were doing like HR recruiting or medical sales, and I got the jobs. They're making like quadruple what I, what I was making as a coach. Now, I'll tell you what I was making as a coach. I got, you know, I got no shame in my game. For my first four years, I made $20,000 with no benefits. Like twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand, yeah. So after I paid all my bills, I had like two hundred bucks left in my name a month. How do you live on two hundred bucks? You know, uh, I ate a lot of ramen noodle. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, it was tough. It was a struggle. I ain't gonna lie. Like, and then I got a little, I had a little side hustle. I was coaching some kids on the side, but it was tough. You know, and but I knew that if I was willing to sacrifice, you know, something like bigger, a better job that I would probably hate in two years and be unhappy. This is where I needed to be. And, I, and every time I tried to get out of it, I would get a job interview with something else. And I was like, I, I have to turn you down. Like one guy told me, he's like, you would be great at this job. Like it was uh, recruiting for HR companies, or HR department, sorry. And he's like, you'd be great at it, but you sound like you want to coach still. And I was like, oh my God, I can't get rid of this coaching thing. <laughs> and so then I went, I went, so I went to my brother's, um, I did I shot a job shadow with him kind of. I went out to LA with him. Um, he was out there doing his little thing. And so, he works in insurance. I don't know what he does exactly now. Like we talk about it, but I don't talk about his job anymore because all I do is work. So I want to just, sometimes I don't want to talk about anything else but work. And he was out in LA. So I went out there with him. I saw what he was doing. He's like, hey, you could be like me and make this, this type of money. I'm like, that would be kind of decent, you know. And again, it's working in insurance, doing some type of like smooching type of thing, you know, trying to get, you know, make people feel good about themselves. And I feel like I could do that. I did a pretty good job of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so I went out there. I went and saw my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And I get back, as I'm driving back from her her apartment, I get a call from a uh, Pennsylvania number. Now, I did a little Skype. You don't know about Skype, probably. You're probably too young for that. Uh, I did a little <laughs> Skype interview uh, with this university, and they offered me a job. I mean, I was making double with the benefits. And so I knew, like, you know, that job, doing what my brother was doing, how their insurance job, they weren't for me. It was a sign the guy said, you got a coach, man. And I've been coaching since. All the ramen was worth it to come to Nebraska. It really wasn't, though. <laughs> I, I don't even want to look at ramen anymore. Really? Oh, my God. I, I mean, I eat ramen. I eat, like, Hot Pockets. I, oh, my goodness. I, I can't even tell you last time I had a Hot Pocket. 
sound like some of our athletes diets uh, i'm sure i was just as bad that's why i said don't don't be like me be better than me oh my gosh <laughs> with that being said we'll go ahead throw to our final break here this is speed and power we got megan walker host as always and guest coach e of nebraska track and field don't go anywhere back to the ticket weeknights on 93.7 the ticket and the ticket Welcome back to Speed and Power on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm your host, Megan Walker, joined by Harrison on the board, as well as Sprints and Hurdles coach, Coach E. But this is my last segment. This is my favorite segment. Uh-oh. Are you ready? No. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be locked in for this last segment. I'm going right. to ask you some questions. They got to be some smart, well-thought-out answers. Oh, my God. That's why I'm not ready. <laughs> First question up. We're giving you a billboard to put anything on it. This is for the entire world to see. What are you putting on it? Uh, hashtag girl dad. Okay, let's think about this for a little <laughs> bit longer. I'm just then... Okay. Um, judge a person by their character, not the color of their skin. Elaborate. Why would you put that on there? Um, you know, I love that speech. That part of that speech from MLK. Um, and I've been judged by the color of my skin plenty of times. And so um, I think... If you get to know me, most people would like me. But sometimes when you walk in the door and you don't look a certain way, you get judged. And, I, you know, and I would say I've been on the opposite of that, too. And, I, you know, especially with you. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, it's just I think that's really important because I try to judge all my student athletes by their character, not what they look like or anything else like that. And your character is so important in who you are. That was a really good answer. I'd put that at the top. Yeah. Of all of our answers. True meaning yeah. on that one. I think that was really good. Okay, next question. If you could work out with anyone, if you're working out, I don't know if you oh work God. out as much as <laughs> Coach Godfrey does. No. But <laughs> if you could work out with anyone dead or alive, who's it going to be besides me? Um, Besides you. You probably smoked me for one right now. <laughs> um, Dead or alive. I would love to work out with Muhammad Ali. What kind of workout are you doing with him? I want to box like him. He has some haymakers, man. He would knock you out. He probably would, but I want to learn how he did that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good answer. Good answer. Okay, what's your favorite song in your playlist right now? You want my Christian songs or you want my just whatever songs? Let's just get your headed to practice, Coach E playlist. Uh, I would say Many Men by 50 Cent back in the day and then uh, Never Lost by Elevation Worship featuring Torn Wells. Two different people, that Gemini in you. It is. One's like the Christian version of me, and the other one's like the mad version of me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, you're racing one of the track coaches. Who are you racing? Um, I would probably race Coach Wack because he talks so much smack to me all the time about how he allegedly played me in football and he stopped me. And one, I'm a grown man. I've run him over. <laughs> Two, I would just want to cook him so he stopped talking. That's a valid answer. If you're making a 4 by 4 with all the coaches, who are you putting on it? You're the anchor. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're not going to do very well then right now. Um, <laughs> Coach Godfrey's in great shape. Um, Bardo, I can't see him doing that. Um, what about, you know, how about the staff? Because Cody, he's been running miles a little bit. He's, been, mm-hmm. he's in good shape. I'll take Cody. Uh, I'll take, so I got Godfrey, Cody, myself. Uh, All of the athletes have a team picked out, so I'm just letting you know that. Oh, I know I would not be on it. They'd probably pick, uh, you know, Max, the Slim Reaper, Maxwell. Get him okay. out there. Get him out there. You can see him running a 400? <laughs> no, but he's 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 in the best shape out of all the staff as far as physique-wise, so <laughs> I got I to gotta take that. Okay. So you, Max, Cody, and who was – oh, Coach Godfrey? Yeah. That's a pretty solid team. 
We probably won't win very many races, but you I don't know, know if you'd win any. But I will say we'll probably be the best dressed out there, though. I don't even know about that. Maybe you might be. Oh, facts. I def- oh, I'm, I'm the anchor. I'm holding it down. So you know, I'll be looking good. <laughs> okay, we're dropping you off at an island. You're gonna okay. be there for 30 days. Yep. There's no electricity, all that good stuff. Okay. You get to bring three items. What are you bringing? <laughs> no electricity. Um, I'm on an island though. Mm-hmm. Is there any like crazy animals or bugs or something like that? There's going to be. It's an island. Oh, bro. I got to bring some bug, bug spray for one. Because <laughs> I don't do bugs like that. Okay. Um, I got to bring one of those little spray bottles of water. Keep me, you know. Gosh, you only get three items. I, I'm going to live an island. I'll be all right. So you got bug spray? Uh, I'm, I'm like a killer, so I can't be killing animals like that. So I don't know. I probably wouldn't make it, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> those are horrible answers. I mean, I'm not going to go to desert island. That's just not who I am. It's like a challenge. Failed <laughs> challenge. challenge. Fine, I'll bring you a, a spear and get some fish out of the water. I hate seafood, so that's, I'm not going to make it on an island desert. desert island. I'm not going to make it. Good to know. I'm dead honest. Now, if you say go to island it's a vacation, I'm going to Barbados. <laughs> They're two different questions. <laughs> I, I gave you your own question. I helped you out, you know? Oh, my gosh. Next question, 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. workout? I know the answer to this. What is it? It's going to be 7 p.m. No, I used to be that way, but now that I have kids... I have to wake up, work out in the morning because at this time they wear me out in the evening. So, seven a.m. It is okay. I, it's your weekend, your free weekend. No kids, no wife. Seven a.m. or seven p.m. workout. Nobody's waking you up. You no get to sleep no. in. Oh, then it'd, it'd probably be at noon. I get up then. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Even though I would sleep to noon, but I, I would say it would still be seven a.m. because it's easier to get out the way because I can enjoy the rest of my day. That's true. I used to be a, a night. I'm still a night owl, but when I work out, my knees hurt in the middle of the night, so I can't be doing that anymore. Imagine being old. Facts. <laughs> okay, if we gave you a customized license plate, what are you putting on it? I already had one on my last on my car. What did it say? It just said BME, my initials. Oh my gosh, I never saw that. Do you not have it on right now? Oh, well, I had to switch to the state of Nebraska, unfortunately. Dang. So my Illinois plate was Chicago Bears for one. Nice. And then it had my initials BME. But I'll probably, I'll, I'll probably put up, what up, big dog, on my plate. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. Oh, my gosh. Okay. How many owls? I think I've asked you this at practice. How many owls would you have to see to start being concerned? Owls? Uh, first of all, where am I at seeing these owls? In my house? Just like random. No, they're not in your house. Oh, You're just like there. hanging out. Like uh, Probably about 10. 10? 10 is a lot. That's a lot. I don't think I've seen 10 owls in my life yet. Yeah. I'd freak out if I, I saw 10 too. owls. If, if I saw one or two, I'd be like, oh, that's an owl. I wouldn't. But like 10 would be like, okay, what's going on over here? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, besides me, who's your favorite athlete? No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. They're all my, all my athletes are my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? Um, Stay patient. Trust the process. Are you good at that? Sometimes. Depends on the day. <laughs> Depends on the day. And... Externally, yes. Internally, no. That's valid. You know, my wife is really good for me. She uh, she definitely puts me in my place all the time. She balances you out, definitely. Oh, yeah. She definitely does. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, this has been an amazing show. Thank you so much for coming on tonight, Coachy. Thank you for having me. What final words you got? Go Big Red. I love it. <laughs> Go Big Red. Make sure to tune in next week. This is Speed and Power, and I'm Megan Walker.